Welcome to the Know, Like, Trust podcast for real estate professionals. In this podcast, you'll discover what it takes to establish know, like, and trust, and connect with the right people for success in real estate. If you're a marketing strategist, real estate agent, or another professional in the real estate space, and you're interested in building a referral-based business, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, Betty Russo and Christine George. Well, welcome to the No Lake Trust podcast and video. My name is Christine George, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Betty Russo. Hey, everyone. I am so excited for this guest today. First of all, thank you for joining us. I always tell my girls to do what they love and love what they do is so important. And there is no better example of that than our guest today, Joe Russo. Today, we're talking with Joe all about his life experience, doing exactly what he loves and loving exactly what he does. And that happens to be producing the best maple syrup in the world, in my opinion. And I think it's true. Um, Joey is king when it comes to maple syrup, and that is no joke. There's no turning back once you've tried it. Joey, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you here uh, to learn all about this amazing journey of yours. Uh, thank you very much, Betty. I mean, do we need to tell people that you're my sister-in-law or don't we not? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, let's not tell anyone that. Okay. So Betty is. We're not telling everyone that Betty is my sister-in-law. Okay. And she's she's great, and it's just great, and it's wonderful. And, um, um, you know, Betty and my brother and family they live in New Jersey, where I'm originally from, and I'm in Northern Vermont. And um, unfortunately, I don't get to see them very often, which is sad. But we do communicate a lot. I'm, I'm calling all the time the girls, and I'm calling my brother, and I speak to Betty, and and. Betty's mom, Marina, and so on. So it's really, really great. But um, I thought this was a lot of fun. A little premise here, how this all started today. We've had power failures. We've had internet outages today, typical of Northern Vermont. So let me tell you, everyone, where I'm calling from right now, which is very interesting. I live on the New York-Canadian border. And I work on the New Hampshire Canadian border. So I'm at work right now because tomorrow, even though it's quite early in the season, we're going to be boiling, which means we're boiling the sap and making maple syrup tomorrow. Very, very early. We just have this warm spell, but it's going to turn very cold. We have this winter storm warning, as I mentioned, with a foot of snow, and it's going to get right to cold and so on. So here, so the fact that I'm here today and doing this is like super exciting because it wasn't really going to happen. And it, actually, it wasn't happened. Actually, I was late signing <laughs> on because of this, but I'm here. Now, so <laughs> I exciting. love that. And uh, <clears throat> I, I wish we were there with you, actually, because you're actually going to have something like that we could taste tomorrow. Uh, so I don't know, Betty, why didn't you recommend us going all the way up to Vermont to do this interview? That would have been super cool. We could have actually like walked through the factory. I don't know. We can do that another time. Can yeah, we, absolutely. Joe, can we sure. come up? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love for you to come up and film. Uh, you know, we can't do it like this with a sit down, but we can, if you have a movable uh, 
cameras yeah. and things like that. We could do it. It's 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 completely unbelievable. I so I got to tell you, when Betty brought your name up, it's been a couple of months now because I know we've been trying to between our schedules and your schedule, it's been tough to to try to schedule this. And when she told me what you did, I was fascinated because. Uh, well, for lots of reasons, like I never knew anybody who worked with maple, but mostly because I have this huge, gorgeous maple tree in my backyard and my husband and my son tried to tap it and, you know, it was dry. Uh, so I can only, like, I can't wait to dig into this and tr- and understand more about the process and how you actually gather the maple and process it and all of that stuff. But before we do that, can you give our audience just like a 60 second overview of your background. Okay. I, I know nothing, 60 seconds. We're okay. going to dig in after your. Okay. So, so real quick here. So I grew up in Palisades Park, New Jersey. Okay. Went to high school there. Went to Delaware Valley College in uh, Doylestown, Pennsylvania for food uh, industry. And then I went to the Culinary Institute of America in High Park, New York for a um, culinary degree. Then I went back for a baking and pastry degree. Both have served me very, very well all these years. The thing is, is that um, I moved to Vermont in the early 80s and I've stayed here ever since. Uh, And um, it's been a wonderful thing, a wonderful transition. And I've been making maple syrup since I was in ninth grade. And I'll tell you a little bit about that story because probably that would never happen today, but uh, what happened when I was in high school. And, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Well, is that, I mean, is that good for my 60s? I mean, you know, because I don't have a clock it, here. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> and I'm actually interested. So awesome. Yeah. Like, how, so ninth grade, how did you eat? Like, where does this passion come from? Were you just having pancakes so here, so, one day? So let's talk about that. Because I, I, I had to think about it. Like for this whole thing, like, I don't use the word passion. I don't use the word calling. I don't use the it was just simply meant to be. Very simple. My parents bought a small retirement. We called it the farm, upstate New York, Delaware County, New York, small town called Long Eddy, population of, I don't know, small. On the farm was a tiny sugar house, maple sugar house, tiny, tiny little thing. And I, you know, ninth grade. Probably we bought it when I was in eighth grade. Daddy bought it in eighth grade. So in ninth grade, I decided I was going to go up and make maple syrup. So I said to mom, can I go in front of the board of education and give a presentation so I can take 15 weeks off and go up and make the syrup? So mom said, yeah, sure. Okay, sure. Well, finally it was time for mom to come and she just couldn't, she said, I'm not going, she said, it's impossible. She said, what are you talking? She said, you can't, it's like, what? You're taking off 56, well, actually it was 16 weeks that I wanted to <laughs> Well, she came. I gave my presentation to the Board of Education and they granted it. Wow. wow. And I had to stay with a retired, I stayed with her, I couldn't stay alone. I stayed with a retired school teacher and she uh, uh, collected homework and I had to do reading assignments and so on and so on. And I did that through 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Wow. I had 16 weeks off per year. Wow. And I, and I did all of that all by myself. And I can tell you, if you look back, if I think about, it was very hard. It was very hard. I'm telling you, 
it was very hard. We had a lot of snow. I gathered the sap by hand and I couldn't carry the buckets. So someone had made me a yoke and I don't have any of these things. Sometime I'll show you uh, something to put on my shoulders, to put the buckets on to carry them because I was, I'm not a stout person, you know, I, I'm weak. <laughs> on the weak side. So to carry those buckets through the snow, uh, I was carrying them on my shoulders. And we had about 350 maple trees there. Wow. And I gathered it all by hand, <gasps> tapped it all, tapped it all. And I made the syrup within a wood-fired evaporator that cost $250 back then. Wow. My mom, my mom lent me the money and I paid her back and I was excited about it. But um, that's when it started. And, but um, Joey, can I, uh, can I interrupt you and ask you, like, what was it that made you like say, just, I want to do this. Like what made you so tap I, that I, first I don't know because It was like impossible. I, I, I just looked at this and I just said, this is so hard. I want to do this. It's impossible to do this. And I was alone. I was there alone. And if you think back about it, you know, when people hear this story, I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not saying that your viewers give their kids off 16. I mean, probably that could never happen today. That's insane. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I will admit, I mean, in all honesty, I'd had a, I had a hard time my first year in college. I kind of like it caught up with me mm-hmm. and um, I had a hard time. But I put my, and that, that turned hard. And I put my nose to the grindstone and I graduated with honors from a very, 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 very low first semester accumulative average. I, grad, I brought it up to graduate with honors and that was very hard. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you must be pretty it proud is, of that. I am. I am. And I just think, um, you know, this is a, this industry is it's unforgiving. Look, no matter what you do, no matter how prepared you are, you're at the mercy of Mother Nature. These are some of the most beautiful forests imaginable, which means they will never be cut, which means because they are producing syrup. So there's income being produced from forest land without cutting the trees. Now, if you think about that seriously off this video, think about those trees are growing for a hard, takes 40 years minimum for the tree to be old enough to start producing maple syrup. So it takes a generation. So wow. Years, wow. Right, takes 40 years. Those trees are, now I, I know if I'm going off here, you've got to pull me because I could just go on for like, go on to midnight, but pull, <laughs> pull me back into the, but I'm telling you, it is, and I, I struggled. I struggled to figure this all out. I struggled during those four years in high school. It was hard. I would fall. I would be frozen. I would go home, ice cold, shivering. I went there to Mrs. Milk's house, blue, completely blue. Almost, they, they almost brought me to the hospital because it was just, it was, it was horrific. Now, those are the four years in high school, but I'm going to tell you something which I, I very rarely tell, but I want to share this with your readers because um, I, think it, um, I think it shows the um, commitment 
that anyone should have to what they want to do. April 24th, 1974, at 3.30 a.m., lightning struck my sugar house in Long Eddy with me in it and burned everything to the ground. And the only reason why I was saved is because I don't know how I got there. I got to a watering trough for cattle and I wasn't burned and I didn't drown. And when I was in the hot, I woke up in the hospital with my mom crying because they didn't know if I would recover. Oh my goodness. Wow. But all that I know is, is that as the years have gone on, the complexity and the rules and the regulations, and especially the Vermont rules of regulation, because Vermont has the strictest maple syrup production rules in the world. I've had to follow and learn and adjust and change and so on and so on and so on goes on. And it's just been an ongoing learning process. And here we are. So can and, I ask uh, you actually about that? So so when you started your sugar house on your parents' farm in upstate New York to where you we are today in maple syrup production, there, the technology, I would assume, has changed incredibly. And I know you also, you've had a play in that. So can you kind of tell us how the technology or the process has evolved? Well, there's a few things. Uh, a few things. For, number one is called, what's called reverse osmosis and reverse osmosis. So, okay. So you tap the tree and you wait for the liquid to come out. And that is the maple sap from a sugar maple tree. Very easy, very easy. And it looks like water. It's cold. It's clear. And it's, it's, it's just barely sweet. Let's just use this number uh, average as 2% sugar. So it just has a very, very little sweetness. So it takes 40 gallons of that sap to make one gallon of syrup. The reverse osmosis, which Cornell University, I saw it probably in 1970 or 1972, upstate New York, there was another producer nearby. And what that reverse osmosis unit did then is take maple sap. I'm just going to use average 2% sugar to 4% sugar. So let's think about that. 2% sugar comes out of the tree, it burns to 4% sugar, it doubled it. So you, you double the sugar content, huge. Then, now I have equipment here that brings it up to 40% sugar. Wow. And the, the syrup is 66, 67 bricks. Bricks is a reading of the sugar content, dissolved sugar solid. Um, yeah, it, it, it's totally different. So that's point number one. So we're going to talk about that's reverse osmosis. And reverse well, wait a osmosis, minute. That happens just by taking the water out of the sap, correct? Yes. And it's, and it's by a big, big, big machinery because what it is, is the liquid is forced through these, they call the membranes, or there are filters. The water goes one way and the sugar goes another way. The sugar molecules dissolved in the sap are too big to go this way. So they go that way. Okay. That's a very, very simple explanation to keep it so we don't get too, too complicated here. So that's point number one. Point number two, so Joe is a chef. Joe went to the Culinary Institute, and something I didn't tell you, I didn't talk about it, is I worked on 
ocean liners for 35 years, also overseas, and some of the most beautiful, largest ocean liners in the world. Started as in the kitchen, and I was for many, many years a hotel manager on board, uh, running the whole entire uh, hotel department. Met a lot of wonderful people around the world. Well, anyway, I so, thought, okay, we're on steamships. I, I mean, I actually worked on steamships. Who knew? I mean, it's, I mean, talk about aging yourself. So <laughs> they, uh, they, you know, so there was big, 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 huge kettles, huge kettles. They would make the chicken broth. They would make the beef stock. They would make the soups and so on, heated with steam. So, okay, fill it with cold water, fill it with whatever, turn it on. Two minutes is coming from cold to a full rolling boil. Ah, heat exchange, steam. Okay, engineering from Delaware Valley College, ah, Culinary Institute of America, ah, oh, okay. So we start putting all this together. And what I started doing is using steam heated evaporators to make the syrup. So what does steam do? Very, very simple. Steam, although it's very, very hot, it's not like putting it on a, um, like if you had a pot of boiling water, putting on a gas or electric stove, that's very hot, it's 1,000, 1,500 degrees, 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, whereas steam is 300 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, but it has quick heat exchange. So the syrup goes in, syrup goes out, and boom, the, the syrup is made very, very quick. You can make the finest quality syrup. So I started using that. When I was still in college, I started buying real estate in Vermont and I started developing my own sugaring operation here. And I was the largest producer in Vermont or possibly the United States, I don't know, for many, many years myself. Wow. And then um, when I retired from work on the cruise ships, I opened up Joey's Junction Bakery, uh, putting on my baker's hat, and my chef's hat. And I used that store to sell a lot of the syrup that I made in, in Belvedere, which was like huge. It was, it, you know, it was the 16-inch pancakes and the one-pound breakfast sausage that went with it and all the stuff. And it became, it was a great success. Little, tiny, little place. Very, very busy. Hundreds and hundreds of breakfasts a day. It was a great thing meeting some of the nicest people in the world. So, and that was like, you know, related to maple, you know, marketing and selling the maple that I made and making it into products. So, you know, a three-pound cinnamon roll with maple ice. I mean, nobody does that. I mean, everything pounds. had maple, yeah. Every, everything had maple. Everything had maple. And um, so, I mean, that's where I'm now. I'm, am I losing track? Am, am I no, losing? but You're I, good. I have a follow-up question to that. Okay, so, okay. How many people I'm, do you... I'm forgetting what I'm supposed to be saying. Well, at okay. that time, <laughs> no, you're sh sharing the evolution of the processing. But okay. at that time, how many people did you employ? Because you were making maple and then running the restaurant and the bakery. Oh, just a few. I mean, I just, just a few. I mean, I would close the bake shop during the sugaring season. And then I would open it up for the summer and fall. Uh, and then I would go back to Belvedere and make the syrup. Because that's how it went then for a while. And then... Um, I was introduced to a larger firm who needed the expertise that I had gained of all of those years. And I sit here now in the office of being the largest producer of maple syrup in the world in history. And you run the show there, yes? I'm, I'm the chief operating officer, yes. Wow. So, you know, that's how that transitioned. Um, you know, we hire over 100 people here year-round full-time. Um, we have huge accounts. The syrup goes everywhere. 
um, most most domestically. And, um, you know, so the journey kind of went, I, I, I never thought to see this go like that. Why? You know, I mean, because that just happened. Yeah. That just happened. I concentrated on the product and that just happened. And I think that's what, you know, people say sometimes, and I hate to say, I hate all these sayings because I, I don't, I don't they say, you know, do something and the money will follow or so mm-hmm. on. This is one of those examples where it's not the money that followed, it's the success of the maple, of maple follow mm-hmm. people are understanding it's a natural sweetener and what people still don't understand and i'm hoping that this video is going to help people understand you have standing big thousands tens of thousands of acres of forest that remain living and healthy and very carefully guarded because we have all these regulatory agencies to be certified like organic, et cetera, et cetera, all yeah. these things that keep the forests healthy. Healthy. The trees take carbon and plant, and it, it it's a question carbon. So it, it 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 reduces, it takes carbon out of the air and 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 it holds the carbon. So it's actually good for our environment. I mean, who knows? I mean, all of a sudden you're over there, you're here, and I mean here, standing forest not cutting them here, making beautiful product. And here the trees are sequestering carbon and holding it. I mean, God, people just think about all of that. I mean, it's so relevant in today's world. Yeah. But I don't think people understand all of that. No, they don't. I think it's so, I think it's so big. I mean, the process, you know, the people are tapping. They, they, 20 below zero, they're out tapping. Snowshoes and gear and the tapping drills and, and, and putting them in, tapping properly. Quality control tech of the tap hole to make sure the production is good. The vacuum system, all the mechanics. You know, we have seven mechanics here, engineering staff. Do you miss being out there actually with the tree? I, I, I've, I've, aged gracefully so <laughs> not as easy <laughs> didn't i say that good, good right yeah I, say that? I, I i had to say that i aged gracefully so it's not as easy for me to be out there as it uh, is and i'm definitely afraid of falling yeah yeah and and we you know so i so i um the the younger folks can do that the guys who are all day doing that i run all of the operations here and uh, human resources. I have two questions. One is, what is the difference between the colors and the the dark amber versus the light amber? And what do we? What should we be buying? Like when we go and we see all of that on the shelf in the grocery store, what should we be buying? So there's different grades. There's different grades to uh, uh, to a uh, pure maple syrup, and it's very very tightly regulated. And we have to use a color spectrometry, which means we put a uh, sample in a reader, and there's a scale, and it reads it. You know, and we log it because this is a uh, very, very strict uh, under the Vermont law jurisdiction. And uh, there are different colors. The lightest syrup, which is which is called golden, why it has a golden color. Now, if you taste that, 
some people might say, you know, it doesn't taste like much. It tastes light. It tastes like there's not much maple. Well, wait a minute. That's actually incorrect because that has the most maple. Wow. Really? It's very uh, light and delicate. Now you go darker, you know, you go to amber or you go to dark robust. These are the new terms of the grading. The syrup is darker. And if you taste it, it's strong. Yeah. What you're tasting is caramel. You're not tasting the maple. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. See? So, but, but the problem is if people see the light product, sometimes they say, I don't like it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have that flavor that they're used to if for example if they used an artificial product let's say because that is like boom golden is like golden it's like light uh, and people will taste it but if they don't like it it's because they were not patient enough to understand it and to taste it by itself and to understand that putting that product the golden syrup for example on a vanilla ice cream Oh, oh. Yum. <laughs> that, then you're going to taste this because this is unbelievable. So Joe, I always no, buy dark amber. Like now I'm not gonna do that. Uh, I just uh, well, no, no, but you gotta, you gotta remember it's all it's all it's all different. I mean, I think you gotta buy all of them. I think Where everybody is- needs to buy all of them because you know why? They all can do different things at different times from putting on my chef's hat now. You know, I'd like to use, you know, I have company come over sometimes. We have a, we do a lot of entertaining on Lake Champlain. We have a beautiful, my husband and I have a beautiful home on Lake Champlain. He's an artist. Um, and sometimes I'll put the, the three grades on the tape for breakfast. Nice. So it's the three grades. It's, it's unbelievable. Because they're all for different yeah. taste palettes for different things. You know, if you're cooking, if you're baking, if you're using them for breakfast, if you're using them in your coffee, I mean, you know, coffee with maple syrup. This is a whole new thing. Wow. Christine, coffee with maple syrup to die for. Let, like listen. which, which, like the golden or the robust all, amber? I, all, I mean, all. I mean, any. You, you, because it, it's your own thing. It's like, it's like, what am I going to do? Like, I like to do, I'm going to do golden today. Oh, I woke up this morning. Ah, uh, you know what I'm gonna have today? I'm gonna have a, a, a I'm gonna have a, a coffee today with an amber. That's what I do when I get out of bed. I got my coffee with. All of a sudden, you know, you're using less sugar. You're using more maple. Oh, okay, maple, natural, forest, sequestered carbon. It's holding carbon. It's gaining carbon. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Oh I'm so in love with be, you right now, Joe. I can't even tell I you. I think there's gonna be a minute. <laughs> But people finally understand this. You're so, he's so interesting. This is so interesting. I know. Oh, and I mean, this can go on. Look, Joey, so- I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. sure. So, oh my gosh, where was I going to go with this? Um, see, how, see what I'm saying? See, see what you're doing right now? That's how hard I remember. Okay. I remember. So you started with one tree and then you had, I think you said 70, did you say 70 trees? Um, I'm not sure, but you started with one tree. And then when you had the farm in Belvedere, you had 
a much bigger forest. And I remember seeing the production. I remember coming to the sugar house and yeah, seeing the production. Climbing up the ladder. And I saw all the trees. Well, not all of them because it was a huge forest. But from what I can see, as far as my eye could see, I saw the taps and the wires. So all the trees were tapped and had tubing that would come to the sugar house. And I saw a humongo like Tank. tank where it was all gathering and dumping into. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy hell, it was like a river coming into this tank. Yeah. And it you was me. I, rem- I remember that day you came, you were so, you're, you know, you're so, always so pretty and beautiful and well-kept, <laughs> not like me, because I'm just the other end of the spectrum. But the, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, um, and, and that's because of the ships, you know, I had to be so dressed and so proper and so prim on the ships all those years. Now I do nothing. You're so funny. You're so funny. You're so, Joey, because you're so busy doing what you do. Who even cares? But I remember seeing all of that maple draining in and I was like, oh my God, I can't even believe this. And the giant, giant jugs of maple that you had. Um, And then that was like incredible to me. And it was just so overwhelming. But now what you're doing is like times, I don't know how much. Yeah. Times, uh, so right now, this year, 2022, I will tell you the exact number. We have 476,288 taps we're putting up. Oh, my God. Okay. And how, how much maple syrup will that produce? Do you know that? It's going to make 178,348 gallons. Oh, my God. Crazy, right? That is crazy. So, you know what? You have really changed the trajectory of, like, maple syrup in the world. Well, you right. so, 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 well, no. So let me just. Tell you, you have. I, I have to. Well, I have. I have to say something. I have to say something. When I came here, because I had retired, kind of, from the, at the bakery in my own sugar place, and then this this place was being formed, and so on. So let's let's tell it as it is. Let's be honest. Let's put it out. Like you know, let's put it all out on the table here. There was an investment banking firm from Connecticut that bought all this real estate and wanted to do maple. And I, as I told you, they um, contacted me and I got involved and so on. And I decided first as a consultant and then I decided to stay, although I was very happy at the bake shop and doing very, very well there. It's a little tiny place, but it was like, it was completely amazing what we did there. Um, and there was a, one man there, and I'm going to mention his name in this because I, I believe it needs to be mentioned, and his name is Bob Saul. And Bob Saul, this was his idea in the back of his head, and he just had to have the right people in to come in who knew what to do and to operate it to scale. And that's where I came in. 
but this man with the backing from this investment banking firm. So, okay, so there was, okay, so we come in, all of a sudden there's all this people saying, well, blah, 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 this and that, and everything, very, very negative about out-of-staters. Me being an out-of-stater, one of them, he being an out-of-stater, another one coming in and doing the wrong people. You know what? I don't care about anywhere. I couldn't care less. And I, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. We're going to put the cards on the table. Let's put them on the table. Being gay and have to putting up with all that nonsense for my whole life made me not care what anybody said about anything about me being an out-of-stater or me working for a quote-unquote out-of-state firm. That was very fair. And I, as far as I'm concerned, very ignorant on people. We didn't put anyone out of business. If nothing we buy syrup from other producers. You have to be, no matter what you do, you have to be a good person and try your best and focus on doing the right thing. All the time, every day, treat people nice with respect, but with maple, you have to respect the maple because the maple runs you. You don't run it. And that is the hard part for people to understand. You're a farmer. You are up against the elements of weather. You are up against the, the summers. Was there enough sun and photosynthesis? Was there enough rain? Was it, I mean, I can't even, we could I could tell you for four hours about all the things that will affect the crop. Doing what you want to do and understanding and learning. Everything has a learning and it doesn't matter your education. Educated, not educated, whatever it is. I mean, with the grace of God, you know, there are people um, possibly working here, possibly, who have had um, dark pasts. Let's just say that, dark pasts. But if you put them in an environment where they're supported and motivated and understood, they flourish. And when you see that, this is the whole point. This is the whole point. And I don't know why that's not happening everywhere. I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. You know, and, and for all, and, and let me tell you something. When we first opened here and I heard people, uh, they were writing newspaper articles and saying negative things about us. I, I, I called them. I said, what do you have to say negative? What's negative? What, are we, what have we done to you? I'd like to know because I don't know because I'm here. I'm doing it. What did I do? I don't even know you. Who are you? Mm. And then it all stopped. So here we are, about eight years, going on nine years, nine years later, it's going to be soon 10 years here. Now everybody comes, oh, thank you very much. You hire over 100 people. The community is doing great. Were people afraid that you were taking business away from yeah, other was, local businesses? It and it, it, it's all proven to be false over the years. And um, People don't know what they don't know, don't, but they think they do. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Let me tell you, change. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Let me tell you, when I knew, I, I knew nothing. This happened one day, one moment in my life. I started working on the ships. Beautiful cruise line company, beautiful cruise line company. It was Dutch owned, then it was a European company, then, not now, with a group of Philippine crew, with a group of Indonesian crew. Philippine crew were Catholic, Indonesian crew Muslim. I never, I never met a Muslim person because I, it just wasn't in our area. That's just the reason why. 
I didn't know any. It's not, I just didn't know any. We didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. They have become some of the finest friends I've had. And even though I'm not sailing anymore, we're in touch every day. And they were wonderful. And I am so glad that they took me in and worshiped with them and understood things. And they taught me. And I was so amazed of how ignorant I was and how how happy I was that they did that for me. A Hindu with all of their beautiful customs and prayers and customs and so on. And it's been a wonderful life. People have to look at these small things as they go. And the secret of life is turning lemons into lemonade. Because in life, you're going to get a lot of lemons. And I always feel bad when I hear something like, Somebody got upset in high school or one of these kids that didn't know who to reach out to. Reach out to somebody. Call somebody. I don't even know who to call. Call the call the number. Call somebody. Call the calls. Go to the police station. Go to go to the police station. Go say police. I, I don't know what to do. Talk, go talk to somebody. There's a lot of good people out there. And just like Maple, respecting the Maple, you have to respect one another. And I can tell you that's what I've learned. And I wish there was a lot more of it because, you know, you see things on TV. Sometimes I get a little sad. Maybe people aren't respecting one another as much as they should. And I think that's very important. And I think that has a lot to do with maple because I've learned that from Mother Nature being out there, no control over nothing. I have a question about that. Sure. I know you said that the maple has to be, I don't know what's happening tomorrow, but you said everything we're gonna is we're gonna, we're gonna be boiling tomorrow. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna and the maple stuff. has been running because we, you had a warm spell. Warm so spell. that's what normally happens, right? After the dead of winter, the maple right. starts running and you just have to react immediately. It's totally up to the weather. I know you've said that before, but it's totally up to the weather when it runs and everyone is kind of on call for that moment. Right. So let's, let's talk about my crew here. So from now until May, there are no schedules. No one knows when they're coming in and no one knows when they're going home and no one knows when they're working split shifts or no one knows when they're making three shifts in the day. No one knows. So what I have to do is every day I send out orders. I have to calculate what's going on. I have to see the weather. I have to see all of the departments, uh, weather conditions, road conditions, disc conditions, uh, sap quantities at locations. And there's a big, big group of orders that I send out to all of the staff who read it for the day. But we don't know until those go out because I have to. So just look at the commitment of these people. And they all are committed. I, and I'm very they proud all show of up when they need and, to. And, and they're all different. They're, 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 they're all from all different backgrounds. Some people have been loggers. Some people working in the woods of mechanics. Some people have been carpenters. We have cement people. We have this. We have that. We have young kids coming in high, who just graduated high school. Yeah, we have seven foot tall ones. We have 
four foot tall guys. You know, we, we have the girls working in here at the plant and the bottling specialists. We have quality control director here. We have inventory management. We have a computerized uh, inventory management system coming in. Sanitation inspections almost monthly. Sanitation, organic, blah, blah, SQF, uh, food safety. Um, security is uh, coming on all of these locations all night long. The security, armed security guards on our staff were coming. So there's all of these things working on. I mean, it, it's, it's completely unbelievable. No one can know. I can't even I can't even begin to explain it, but that is what is necessary to support the maple. You know what? I, I after listening to everything that you've said, like you know, and I've heard you say some of this before, but not to this extent. I I really feel like people have no idea. Like it's impossible to, you know, by no fault of anybody, it, it's impossible to know like what goes into this. You go to the store and you buy a little jug of maple syrup. You have no idea where that came from. I don't know what can be done to let people know, except like this, things like- Keep this. talking about it. Yeah. Just yeah. the fact that as you're producing the maple, there's so many other things that are, that it's triggering, you know, the, the, the fact that you're taking care of the forest, you know, you're taking care of the environment. I mean, and that has so many other arms that come from that. Exactly. You know, it's, it's so much more than the maple, but the maple's pretty amazing. <laughs> no, no, it, it is. And it all comes together. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate to be here, uh, to be able to start at one place in Long Eddy, New York, with the tapioca on my shoulder, gathering buckets in 1970. And here, having... Four, almost 477,000 taps. It's a, it's a real journey. But uh, after all that, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice, and I think you've given them a few nuggets already, but one final piece of advice, what would it be? Be patient. Mm. Don't be greedy. You don't need the newest anything. Um, I know your sweatshirt. <laughs> I always wear ripped sweatshirts, and this so, this has been sewed. One of our girls that work here sewed it for me the other day. She had a needle and thread. She said, "Give me that. I'll sew it for you." Don't waste. Don't waste. If everyone just think of it now, look look at how huge the United States is, and it was so wonderful. If everybody didn't waste something or reduce something i don't know what it is i can't even you know i'm not i just think of the effects that will have it's just phenomenal yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know and most importantly be respectful to that person i mean you don't know what happened to that person i don't know what happened to that person you don't know why they're like that maybe they're grumpy maybe they're rude but maybe they have reasons to be maybe something awful happened just reach out to them and just say hey look you know i'm sorry whatever you might be a little whatever but you can I get you something and so on? You know, I, 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 I just feel so fortunate and I just want to protect and respect every minute of being where I have gone and never take anything for granted. I think that's a good one. 
for that's a great one yep never take anything for granted you know stay healthy be careful you know um all of those things i mean they and it's all back to basics right it's none of these big big huge fantastic complicated not so basic right just back to bit look at yourself in the mirror and say what are you who are you right yep. so joey you know the name of our podcast is the no leg trust podcast and the original thought about this episode was doing what you love and loving what you do, which is what you do. It comes back to you tenfold, a hundredfold. It also changes who you are as a person. Um, there's that crazy, amazing energy that you have when you love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, and to us, we always say that we think that has a lot to do with no like, and trust because when you are who you are and when you're happy with who you are, mm -hmm. people gravitate to you, the right people gravitate to you and no like, and trust you. So in your words, what does no like, and trust mean to you? You know, that no like trust factor. Well, the point is you will not ever know anyone, but you should try to. You will not always like everyone, but you should try to. <laughs> and you will not always trust everyone, but you should try to. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, for mm -hmm. God's sakes, people, let's be a little bit real. That's awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Joe. Thank you so, so much. Um, so I would encourage everybody who's listening to follow Joey Russo and to check out sapjack.com. Um, please, please, please follow him. This has been an, an amazing conversation. I've loved every minute of it. And uh, for all of you who are enjoying our podcast, please give us a five-star review, share it with all your friends, and we will see you next time on the No Like Trust podcast. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Thank Joe. You Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, we'd love it if you subscribe and leave a review. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to Christine or Betty on social media for consideration. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Please join us next time for another insightful conversation on incorporating know, like, and trust into your business.